I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Is the, is the sound coming through here? Yeah, it sounds great. Hold on, let's try this one sec. Because I be careful because I messed this up on another podcast oh, and I yeah. sounded like a chipmunk. Ah, just think, a sec. Oh, Te- oh. Test, test. <laughs> now you, you sound, you sound like a chipmunk now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you sound. Okay, I sound like a chipmunk? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, this is this is the wrong setting. <laughs> Holy shit, that's hilarious. At, I least we're, just, yeah. I mean, at least we're getting it. <laughs> We're getting it like. Have you live. not learned about this before? No, dude, this is so hilarious. I, so it's, I was on a podcast called Good Life Projects. It's like a hundred thousand download podcast. It's like a top. It's like a huge show. And the whole hour, you just I sound, sound like a chipmunk. And I texted like the host. I said, Jonathan, what happened? And he said, um, he said, uh, I'm in Mexico. What are you talking about? And oh I said, God, uh, did you listen to the podcast? And he said, No. I said, I think there's something wrong with it. And so. Um, Basically, what happened is we, we had they had to fucking pull it off the internet. Dude, I'm dying. Honestly, I'm dying. Honestly, right I now. I get it because as soon as it changed, I noticed it. But yeah, but since yeah. you've been talking, you it, could sound like this. Yeah, like it, you it, could it be assuming yeah. that it's not. Yeah. it's not egregious enough that that you would uh, that I can't would... fucking figure it out. I mean, you you sound 25 years younger than you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just, yeah, you like just the, sound like you're the book 14. of awesome was written by a five year old boy. Maybe it's on Zoom. Oh, I know. I think it's a Mac setting. Taylor, yep. Does it still sound bad? It still sounds. It still sounds exactly. the same. I mean, yeah. you don't sound bad. You just you sound. sound bad. You just sound uh, young. You just sound young. <laughs> I'm not you gonna do this. <laughs> there we go. There, there we go. go. Now, 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 I can hear you. You sound good now. <laughs> it's so funny. I got so used to it. What did you, you sound? Just, you you sound like a 14 year old. What, what did you change? I, 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 you sound normal now. You must have gone. Um, back to I it. unplugged it. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah, 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 yeah right, right. Yeah, that's really funny. I got so used to that. What I was about to say at the beginning was. It's my pub day today. The book comes out today. I have nothing on all day except talking to you guys. This is my only plan. And I I booked this like two days ago when you sent me the link, Jeremy. And I was like, you know, I sent it to my publicist. I think I'm going to do this at lunch. And, and she's like, well, you know, we're still waiting for like TV shows and blah, blah, blah. And I said, uh, yeah, but there's nothing that would give me more joy <laughs> in my on my pub day than talking to these three guys. Uh, I remember dude. the conversation last time and I had like a glow for like a week. Oh, you're so Dude. sweet. I, no, I, it was, it was, it's true. That's Neil, why I said it. That's why I booked it for my pub day because I wanted to talk to you on yeah, my pub day. I, I got to say, Neil, like I've talked about that. So, so for, for folks, just FYI, uh, we are, we're sitting down with our, our good friend, Neil Pesaricia, the author, uh, entrepreneur, the podcaster, the public speaker, uh, the guy who's been advocating for, for positivity and simple pleasures for years now. Uh, you might know him from his uh, his very first book, The Book of Awesome. Uh, there's a bunch of books in that series um, and also The Happiness Equation. Uh, we had Neil on the podcast a number of years ago. And Neil, I'll tell you right now, I've talked about that day so many times because, you know, we recorded. It's awesome. Usually we record with people. And, you know, when you record for about an hour with someone, especially with the, with the, the nature of this show, we kind of get into some like subject matter that's very cover a lot of ground, very vulnerable. Very it's because you guys wrong. go there. It's yeah. because you go there, and and that and that's because you share. That's because you do you you go out on the branch with people, but you you make sure you're sitting there in your underwear before you before you ask them to come <laughs> join you. Right, right. And so typically, like we have that recording that that experience, especially like right now, we're doing this over Zoom. Um, but we were in your help, your home. We recorded. No, we were in our Airbnb. That's right. The uh, basement of an air. The, 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 I was actually technically in your home. That's, <laughs> that's right. right. Our temporary, <laughs> our temporary home. Oh, trippy. I don't know why I thought we were at your house. Um, uh, well, the, oh, no. The reason why I thought we were at your house was because typically when we record with a guest, 
We do the recording and then we go our separate ways. But we like had this connection. We went to Bar Reval. But with you, you were like, yo, we're right around the corner from my favorite bar in Toronto. You took us to this bar. Yeah. And the part that like that I I still to this day think about fondly. I have a phone, a photo on my phone of the experience. There was this very, very attractive, very like charismatic bartender there. And Neil, you said to him, you're like, yo, I come in here all the time. They know me. I'm a regular. And you said to the bartender, you're like, look, I want to order us all drinks. But instead of telling you the type of drink I want, (laughs) I'm going to give you three words, (laughs) descriptors. And I want the drink to be like that. So like Neil's was like, you know, I think you said something, Neil, like I'm going home to my wife um, after this. So like, I want to feel, I want to feel like a, like fiery and passionate. So, so like passion was one, was one word. And then like, you know, you used uh, another word, which was like, I don't know, like elation and, and, and another word. And, and so we all chose these three descriptors and the, and the uh, bartender was like, yeah, coming right up. The best. That bartender was Alex cocktail. Basque. That was Alex Basque. Basque. I know the exact guy. Alex wow. Basque, you are, yeah. uh, you're, yeah. you're, you're a gem. You are, you're skilled. It was amazing. Yeah. Can but I again. can I can I can I chiropractic adjust this story just only slightly? <laughs> yeah, sure. One is I'm very confident I didn't say I I come here all the time. Everybody knows me. I just would not. I just would not say that. No, sorry. Um, I meant more so like you were like I'm a regular here. Uh, no, and no. This is but, not a but, weird thing for me to well, say. Here's what guy. here's what I was about to tell tell your listeners is that this bar for those that don't know it, they spent like hundreds of thousands of dollars like making the interior like a Gaudi esque. Yes. You know, a, you know the Spanish kind of like uh, artist, the, a Gaudi esque like curved wooden crazy thing, and they open eight a.m. to two a.m. seven days a week, and so. I would go in the mornings because we recorded, I don't know what, like three, four years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I, I would go in the mornings and no one would be there. And the, the menu was like crazy, right? It was like, you know, smoked mackerel and like, you know, tomato bread and uh, bocarones, like, you know, just eating a plate of anchovies at eight in the morning. And um, so I would hang out there essentially by myself with Alex Basque. The bartender was like peeling oranges and stuff. And so <laughs> right. I got to know this guy. And yeah, sure enough, they, he was so gifted that you could just order by adjective. And so, yeah, it was like a it's like a party trick. It's like showing you guys like a, I could crack my knuckles or yeah, I could like, yeah. you know, I tell you a good joke. I was like, you got to see this bar and this guy. And tell. do you remember what your three words were, Jeremy? Uh, I, man, I, Taylor, I really, do you remember yours? I don't. I do have a photo of it, though. I was uh, very stoned. And I do not <laughs> And I do, and I do not, and I do not remember. What I do remember is that you, is that, is that, is that you, you, you ordered a bunch of fish to which I am like, oh yeah, I'm like, I am an anti, I've been anti fish since I was a kid. Like I've got, that's my, that's my, that's my, there's been like a thing for me. And we had come off this amazing conversation where we had talked a lot about like embracing, like kind of taking the road, road, less travel, like going out and doing things you haven't done before, like embracing the unknown. And so you had ordered all this fish and it came and I just decided to shut my mouth, not say anything and just, and, and, and eat. And I was like, oh, wow. There was something like, there was some, there was something about tasting what I, what I knew I didn't really like, but tasting it in the context of going out on a limb and eating something. So you had never, you had never eaten like all this stuff before? No, no. Like all very, like all very new, all very new for me. So, uh, so I, that's the, that's the standout memory that uh, that I have of our of our I do remember I do remember the uh, the 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 adjective drinks but um I don't remember what I said I probably would have said something like <laughs> Well this uh, is the guilty uh, uh, secret of anybody with a podcast which based on you know current you know uh, market research is about at least at least I'd say 60 or 70% of your listenership <laughs> and uh is that we don't remember our own converse we don't remember our own podcasts No I just listened to a podcast episode with Peter Atia and uh, Arthur Brooks. And I love, the- oh, dude, I love Peter Tia and that episode in particular. Absolutely adore. Do you, so Peter Tia is like a genius, right? But at the beginning of this episode, he's like, um, by the way, went to Queens University. Side yeah, note. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I learned that recently. He, um, he said to Arthur Brooks, do you want to tell people what happened, Arthur? And Arthur was like, yeah, we, were, <laughs> we recorded a whole episode. And at the end, you know, you realized you didn't have uh, the, the card in there. It wasn't right. recording. Yeah. He's like, that's right. But lucky for you and the listeners, I never remember anything I talk about. So let's just start again. And I was like, <laughs> Dude, and, that- and, and then record the whole thing, man. I want to get Arthur Brooks on this show so bad. Um, I just, I listened to that conversation and I just loved what they had to say so much. I was so, so fascinated by it. 
Um, would love to have him on. Um, let's, uh, Neil, I, 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 first of all, congratulations on, uh, on your publication day, new book, our book of awesome, another book to be added to the awesome series. Um, it's, uh, you know, we're big fans of you. We're big fans of everything you do. I, one thing I'd like to kind of, um, you know, in, in the, in the, uh, name of not remembering our fucking podcast conversations, um, I don't, I don't actually recall a lot of what we talked about the last time we talked to you, um, uh, which is pretty much like it, once it's recorded, that's it. I, it, it leaves my, my memory pretty much after about a week. I'm just laughing at the idea of us like repeating the entire conversation without any of us being aware of it. Well, in the hopes of not doing that, uh, the one thing that I do want to, I, I do want to kind of talk to you about, and, and, and I apologize if this is something that you've talked about at length, but, um, the, the, the very first book, the book of awesome. I mean, it was it was a massive fucking success for people who aren't familiar. It uh, it it generated from from uh, a blog that you you had started, right? A thousand awesome things was that was that the name of the blog? Yeah, yeah. Um, can you like? I would love to hear the story of like yeah. how that all began because yeah, you know, again with the uh, with sick boy, a lot of the times we're we're trying to talk about health and and illness and and I know that this blog. And and subsequently, the book really came from like a place of trying to um, trying to deal with your your own mental health. So, could you like maybe give us a little bit of a absolutely a rundown absolutely. on like the, the yeah. history of like how the book of awesome, the series sure. of awesome, sort of started? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I, I was born September seventeenth, seventy nine, Oshawa, Ontario, Canada. My mom's from Nairobi, Kenya. My dad's from Amritsar, India. So they came over as East Indian immigrants. I think that East Indian immigrant background is going to be helpful, kind of really quickly. Um, so I had like the proper childhood. You know, graduate from high school, finished near the top of your class. Like, how's your chemistry marks? How's your math? I, I dovetailed from the expect expected role of like becoming a doctor or like at least you know a lawyer or you know a pharmacist or like, you know something medical or or serious and you know makes money and i decided to go into business which my parents weren't like business okay whatever you know so i did business and then after i graduated i had just an endless series of failures my whole 20 was all failures i started at procter and gamble i failed they they basically fired me i write about that and you are awesome my last book um i started a business it failed i started a sandwich shop uh quiznos franchise it did not do very well i lost a ton of money and then i went to work for the quiznos head office i did not like that job i was flying around to like moose jaw alberta for three weeks teaching people how to slice turkey and like you know trying to avoid hitting gophers on the highway and i love the people i love the people i'd like go milk cows with them after work but i was like i'm not this isn't working so then i go and do business again but right before i go i meet someone and finally i meet someone who likes me it was like i met someone who liked me it was amazing no one ever liked me as the only brown kid, I was shy. I was tiny. I was on, on any sports. I was a super nerd. I had buck teeth, thick glasses, played the clarinet, was on the chess team, wore dress pants that were up to just below my knees. Like I was like a super, super nerd. And, um, you know, uh, she loved me. And so I loved her. Like for lack of better words, looking now, I loved her because she loved me. You know, mm -hmm. I loved her love for me. And I proposed to her nine months after we started dating, right before I went down to Boston to go for two years of school. The relationship it wasn't really working. And then when I came home, this is now my late 20s, she's like, I don't think this is going to work. By this Ooh. time, flash forward a couple years later, had been we'd been married. We bought a house. We were talking about having kids. We were not more than talking about having, we were thinking of you know, really going for kids. And we're like, you know, this was like a shock. And so right around this swirl of conversation was happening, my best friend, Chris Kim, who I met down in the States and who I went on this 10,000 mile road trip with, and he was living in DC and he was a vice principal at a high school. And I was talking to him like every single day. He was suffering from what doctors sometimes called bipolar and what they sometimes called manic depression, and sometimes what they called major depression, and what they sometimes called split personality. And so, what they saw, he had like 12 different diagnoses from 12 different people. He was always on crazy. He was always on, I don't want to use the word crazy. He was always on, a, he was always on a wide variety of prescriptions and then they were constantly different. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So he was mm -hmm. always like, just to focus on the illness side of it. It was like, I was in touch with his psychiatrist. He put me in touch and a couple other trusted friends to like, let us know if he ever was, you know, clearly not doing well. And I thought he was clearly not doing well at one point because I hadn't heard from him in a long time. And it turned out that he attempted to take his own life on the freezing cold winter beach in uh, Cape Cod by essentially freezing his body on the beach, like naked in the middle of winter. And um, 
this was after he tried to start his car engine in the car and it, it didn't work after mm. a long period of time. And then he took pills and it didn't work. And then he was found by a, wa a guy walking his dog and oh, had, a, had a month long recovery in the hospital. And then he called me after and said, I wanted you to know that this is what's happened and that, you know, you might think it's related to you because you had just visited me before this happened and um, you're my best friend and I, you know, I, I, but I'm in a better place. Well, from then to when he actually took his own life, guys, which was one year after that, he, he took his own life a year after that. This was when I started the blog. I started 1000 Awesome Things in the seedling of a deeply stressed, anxious person losing their best friend to an attempt to then an eventual suicide, losing his marriage and his house. And so underpinning the Book of Awesome, which a lot of people know about and a lot of people don't know about is actually a deep undercurrent of like this started from a place of like i'm i'm in a really fucked up situation yeah. and i don't i don't feel good at all and i don't i don't know how to navigate this and i'm i'm using medications and i'm um using cannabis and i'm using uh i went from zero to like 10 therapy sessions in two weeks and i was just trying to process like so many thoughts i'm writing a eulogy for chris's funeral mm. i'm trying to sell my house I'm losing weight because I can't eat or sleep. I can't eat or sleep. So I lose 40 pounds. And for a guy like me who weighed like a buck 60 to lose 40 pounds, Holy fuck, I yeah. was like 120, 130 pounds. I was like rail thin. If you ever Google pictures of me, like at the Webby Award, when I won the award for best blog in the world, it doesn't look like me. Mm. It looks like a skeleton version of me because oh. I was I was 130 pounds. And that's when I wrote this daily awesome blog that turned into the book of awesome. And that book came out in 2010. That's the life story up to then. And now we're talking in 2022 when I'm 43 years old, I'm re I'm remarried. I have a beautiful, lovely, amazing wife, Leslie, who I just adore and who helps host my podcast with me a bunch of times. And she is a dream. I I'm so lucky. And um, my wife who left me, left me, at the same time that hit, hit her beau uh, left his wife and they, as far as I know, although we only had contact for a couple of years, you know, after it's like, I, I think they're happy too. Mm. And I think they may have had their own children and gone their own way. And so we lost Chris and through his life, I have hopefully been able to amplify the, the I'm, I'm using his life 12 years later at like last night at the, at the friends and family book launch, we put, we raised $3,000 for Cam H, which is the ooh, Center for Addiction ooh, and Mental ooh, Health. Ooh. That's just down the street from the type bookstore we had it at, which is downtown Toronto, which is near Barreval where we went yeah. to. And um, so I like to think that we lost Chris, my best friend, who was not served well by the mental health system. And uh, we don't really know what he had. Um, and, we, and, and, and I like to think that his memory and the pain that's swirling in there helps to create ooh. these almost trifling you know, simple pleasures. The book functions as a pill that I was trying to take for myself every night before bed. When you, so, I, I mean, I guess the books, the books kind of, they, they sort of tell this, um, tell this story through these simple pleasures, these small, these small wins. Um, but for you, obviously being the person who creates this book and puts this message out there, um, what was, like when people are going through hard, hard shit, that the the hardest thing in the world, is, I think, is to have that moment of realization that like something's got to give mm -hmm. and like something needs to change. And then, and and if you can get that moment, and you can you know make a a move in a direction that's going to positively impact your well being, your mental health, then then you're then you you might be off to the races. But but getting that moment is really hard. Like it can be very foggy. It might never come, might, might not come from, for some people. How did you get in that fog of your situation with your, your wife, your house, your best friend? Yeah. How, where did that moment that like, so, that, so that fire come from? So first of all, Taylor, I'm not surprised that you are focusing on this because I really have not been asked about this much. And um, I think it's a really important point mm -hmm. that 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 most people kind of overlook. They're like, 
what I instead get, and I don't, I don't mean to dismiss this type of feedback. I think it's like, that's amazing that you did, you know, that's amazing. Like a kind of a compliment for doing that, but less of a, like an introspective, like, well, how did you do? Yeah. And so here's a couple of things I'll, I'll say. And, and one is that, okay, start this blog in 2008. It wins this award in 2009. It turns into a book in 2010. Then in the fall of 2010, like, like you, Jeremy, I'm invited to give a TEDx Toronto talk. Mm. I think I did mine not far from you, maybe a couple of years different or something. And um, so I give a TED talk that, you, what year was yours? Uh, 2017? 17, I think. Yeah. Okay, I was like 2010, yeah. so I'm a lot older than you than I thought. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so 2010, this does date me a bit. And um, and I was asked to explain that in the TED talk. And what I attributed it to largely, Taylor, was my dad. My dad's optimism as a new immigrant to Canada, age 23, from a village in India where five kids shared one bedroom. They had an egg every two weeks because it was the equivalent of $20 in like, you know, Canadian money, he would tell me. Um, his mom died when he was two. The whole family ran a sewing machine store together and they all got out of Dodge as soon as they could because they were trying to figure themselves out and go see the world and make 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 it and so he came to canada and he was like you know those like tim horns commercials where like an immigrant family comes out of the tim horns and they're like gasping in wonder at snowflakes <laughs> that was literally my dad he would be like wow it's snowing and, and yeah. i'd go to the grocery store and he'd be like can you believe this this mango comes from mexico he's like <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. somebody climbed a tree in mexico he'd look at me he'd be like somebody climbed a tree in Mexico and they yeah. they picked this mango off of it and they 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 put it they they climbed down the tree and then they put it in a truck and then they drove it to a dock and they sold it to a guy and they put it on a boat and he sailed it across the Gulf of Mexico and they put it on a truck and they drove it and he he'd like talk like this and That's so amazing. He, it was a, it, and I didn't realize that that was unusual because yeah. it's your own parents right my mom right. wasn't like that you know she's maybe a little bit more pessimistic but my dad was like like unbridled yeah. in his optimism. Like how amazing is this that this has landed here? In and our and hand, because right? he came over as age 23, it was like my first Christmas tree was his first Christmas tree. My first time skiing was his first time skiing. My oh, first time, cool. my first time going to see a big screen movie was his first time going to see a big screen movie. Which so like no, nobody has those experiences with their parents, right? Like, I mean, that's yeah, such right. a rare thing like to, to experience. I mean, I, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about all of my firsts, like in that list and, and, of course, none of those were the first for my parents. They've been doing that shit for years. I like, remember whatever. going to Ontario Place and seeing seeing like uh, an IMAX movie, and it was just a stupid movie of like a camera just flying over a field for half an hour. Like that's that was <laughs> yeah. the whole movie. It was like maybe it was like flying over Canada or whatever. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, I looked at my dad. And he's just like, "That was amazing. That was the biggest screen." Like he was, you know, <laughs> it was like that was crazy. He was like so like like a like an eight year old would be yeah, or a five year old, yeah. Yeah. and so. I had that modeled to me. And so somehow um, at the time I had that happening in me. And here's another thing I will add. And I've never talked about this before, but I can say it now because I'm like, oh, my God, like how kind of both grotesque and interesting um, <laughs> is that I remember reading a McLean's magazine and reading a story of stuff white people like dot com. And um, it was a guy named Christian Lander from Toronto who started a blog. The blog took off, got an agent named Aaron Malone. And was a New York Times bestseller for 30 weeks and sold 300,000 copies. And I went to the blog and I read it and I thought, hey, I used to write like that. I used to write like I mm. I was the editor of my campus humor newspaper at Queens University called Golden Words. I, I used to write a comedy newspaper with 12 people every single week. But that was six years ago and I haven't picked up a pen. I haven't touched a mm. keyboard in six years. And I read that guy's blog and I thought, well, I can do I can do that. And And so... Those two things happen. And then I thought, here's the other thing that happened. Like, so baked in there is me being a little bit confessional about a little bit of like a competitive streak. You know, mm -hmm. a bit of like, there's a competitive streak. And then there's like a, there's like an untapped reserve of artistic energy because I had been writing every day for four years at Queens all the way till I was the editor of this paper. And then here I am six years later and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. Like Jerry Seinfeld after Seinfeld is like, hey, how come you made B movie? How come you made, you never did stand up again? He's like, I remember 10 years after Seinfeld sitting in an audience and watching a stand up comedian thinking, I want to do this job. And he's yeah. like, wait a minute. I, I used, used to, to do, do this. this. Yeah, every I, day. To, yeah. I forgot I did this. Yeah, yeah. And so, so I kind of had a bit of that too. So there was a few things swirling together there that I know of today. And if you ask me yeah. in 10 years, yeah. I'll have a few new insights that come with time. So I, one of the things I find so interesting there in hearing you say that is like, like, 
I know you, Brian, Brian talks a lot about going to therapy. Um, and you know, he's been, he's had a lot of epiphanies over the last you know couple of years with his therapy journey. And a lot of the people that I speak to who, who have had like really positive experiences with therapy, um, you'll oftentimes hear them say like, yeah, I started journaling. I started journaling after going to therapy. It was something that was my therapist recommended to me. Um, or, or, you know, people, people talking about their therapist or, or somebody close to them in their life talking about like starting a gratitude practice. Um, and I've heard those things a thousand times over. I've never really done it. I've never really like, I've gone, you know, maybe I should start journaling. I kind of picked it up, tried a little bit and then just said, you're so right. The prescriptive, the prescriptive doesn't work. But for you, it it just came naturally. It sounds like it it, it doesn't sound like someone, someone, someone um, said to you, Hey, it looks like you're going through a really tough time, Neil. Have you ever tried? I didn't tell anybody. Or have you ever like tried journaling about this, this shit? Yeah. Yeah, no, no, that no, no, there was no, that there was not. I mean, if you told me at that time I needed a therapist, I would have thought, no, that I, I was so behind relative in relative terms of my thinking. I, my thought at the time would have been like, that's just for crazy people, right? Using a terrible word and a terrible, a, a terrible pejorative and a terrible perspective. And I, you know, this is 15 years ago, so I'll give myself a little bit of cover there, but I'm like, no, it wasn't that. But here's the other thing I hear when you say, Jeremy, is I'm like, the prescriptive doesn't work. Yeah. The prescriptive doesn't work in anything. Mm-hmm. And with the book of awesome and our book of awesome, I've I'm um, I'm a bit tail between my legs returning to this kind of concept, to be honest with you, because for the last five, six years, I have spent all this time writing the happiness equation, mm. the prescriptive book about happiness, writing you were awesome, a prescriptive book about resilience. And I've made two minute mornings, a prescriptive, a prescriptive journal about, you know, a morning habit. I've all I've done is prescriptive shit. And to be honest with you, um, they don't sell nearly as well. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> <They> don't, <laughs> which is a signal, which is its own valid signal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm saying the, the the one of the pieces of feedback I'm most proud of with the Book of Awesome, it's a piece of feedback I heard repeated, and I don't say it often, but just to tell you guys is two things are kind of related. One, my kid doesn't read, but they read this. Mm-hmm. And and similarly, this is the only self help book I have in my bookshelf that doesn't tell me what to do, but teaches me how to do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And they're the same thing. They're bringing non readers or kind of non. I don't want self help. Mm-hmm. It's those people that are like, well, I'll leave this on the back of the toilet. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. what's there's nothing wrong with twisting the lid off the jar after nobody else could. You know, peeling a hard <laughs> boiled egg and getting a big chunk of shell off all at once. There's a whole this, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm episode about uh, taking the taking the lid of a jar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, yeah, yeah. well, this one, this one, this is one my editor wanted to cut. Actually, she said this made me sound bad. Racing outside to put your garbage out, but missing the truck. So then, just casually walking across the street in your robe and leaving it with your neighbor's bins because theirs gets picked up later. <laughs> and I said to her, Nita, and, and I said, Nita, but no has. one's hurt by this. No yeah. one. There's no pain. No one. It doesn't cost anybody more money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that one pair of pants that makes your ass look great. And by the way. Taylor, you, you pick. Thank you. You picked the right ones today. Um, <laughs> texting your husband to do something when he's upstairs and you're downstairs. I love that move. And that love one, I'll it. just. I don't want to read. I really haven't read any of these before, but this one's super short, so I'll read this if you don't mind. It's Thirty yeah, seconds. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Did you see the movie Elf? Yes. I loved that scene where a mailroom guy in the basement of the Empire State Building puts some papers in one of those tennis ball containers and zips it up to the 77th floor (laughs) through that system of windy vacuum tubes snaking inside building walls. I remember seeing that in office buildings when I was a kid and thinking, yes, 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 this technology is definitely going to take off. Sure, we may need to mildly renovate every tall building in the entire world back to the studs, but, you know... (laughs) Wouldn't it be worth it to fire an invoice up to Sonya in accounting without taking the stairs? Well, my dream never quite came true, but I do think of that distant fantasy whenever my wife, Leslie, texts me from the kitchen asking asking if I can bring down the basket of dirty laundry. The future has arrived. I, dude, that's <laughs> awesome. So, it's so great. You know, my favorite, my favorite thing about that little tube is this. I used to think that was so... <laughs> Yeah, that yeah. Sound, oh, the it's sound. So wait, 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 wait. How do you make that? That's it's like, amazing. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I don't even, I don't even know. It's so good though. It's just such a yeah. satisfying noise. I, well, what's have you ever uh, used one? 
Uh, no. no, but I've seen a doctor do it. I was in the I was in a I was in an office when it when when they used really? it. Yeah, in it was, Halifax. Uh, it was a it was a blood do- or, um uh they 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 sent a like a blood lab. They like, just didn't have Wi-Fi in- infrastructure. Yeah, well, you know, they just got email this year. So, <laughs> um, Neil, uh, how how does how does our book of awesome? like differentiate itself from the book of awesome what's well so this is so uh, i interviewed uh film directors on my podcast earlier this year named daniels and some people have heard of them some people haven't they directed that movie everything everywhere all at once i'm gonna watch that like tonight because it just came out on whatever platform it's on and my wife hasn't seen it yet and i'm dying to watch it again what platform is it because everybody Uh, should watch that movie it's either it's either Prime or Disney. Yeah, because they just won the Gotham. They just won a big award, so now it's starting to get more distribution. But I talked to them before it came out. I talked to them before it came out. And so um, I asked them this question, which is, you know, what does the movie mean to you? And they said, we got this advice from Spike, just to keep name dropping here. We got this advice from Spike Jones at Sundance. He said, whatever the movie is, before it comes out, journal what it is to you. Because if you don't journal what it is to you before it comes out, right, yeah. it'll be lost to the swirl of all the feedback you hear about it. Yeah. And so because I'm talking to you today on Pub Day, I don't actually know the answer to that. But what's cool is that I can kind of use this little soapbox you guys are giving me as a way to do the verbal journal. Yeah. And and so the answer to that question is this. Um, I believe that there's uh, some major problems in the world today. And I believe that our rising and never higher than ever before rates of anxiety, loneliness, depression, and suicide. And by the way, I would argue that almost everybody I know alive in the world today is feeling at least one, if not two or three of those. Mm. Everyone. Everyone's feeling that. Even if you're in a relationship, you might feel lonely. Even if you don't have a hard job, you might feel anxious all the time because of what TikTok's doing to your brain. And so what's happening is we're in what I would call a breaking point right now. And, um, you know, I have two choices. I can either like disappear to the woods and, and like, don't get me wrong. I do that a lot too. I'm, I've taken up bird watching, as you might've noticed, there's an entry, there's an entry of bird watching in the, in the book. Um, and I've, I've, I'm spending more time with my kids. And so I'm trying to, you know, sort of not pay as much attention thoughtfully to all the world's problems. Because if you just stare at news media and social media all day, you will think a, the world's ending immediately and B Mm. you will not do anything. You will not do anything else. And I call this a bit of a pessimistic bubble that we're living in or a negativity bubble. It's designed, you know, the book stolen focus by Johan Hari illustrates and illuminates how exactly this has been designed for us. Because of course, you know, there's a reason that Instagram and TikTok and all these things have truly hacked our, our attentions at this point. And um, I see my role, if if I have one, as a bit of a tether back to the days when there was like books in bookstores and like schlep, Ooh. you know, this is the era I'm from writing a blog, you know, like this, <laughs> I see it as a bit like I'm shooting an arrow with this book at that bubble. And I'm trying to my goal is for the arrow to be like, <gasps> A breath of like just deep old fashioned fresh air. I got things in here like the sound of a wooden spoon stirring a pot full of macaroni. And I got I got a couple things in here that are like the sound of the bells jingling at the top of the wooden door when you walk in that local small town corner store. Mm. And I'm putting stuff in here that I know isn't on any like even the sound of a needle hitting a record. Right. I'm yeah. putting stuff in here that yeah. I'm purposely trying to just evoke, be like, dot, 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 dot. we don't have to live like this. We don't have to live like this. We get to choose how we live. We get to choose if you want to spend your time. I have one in here being suddenly really into bird watching. And essentially, it's my story of falling into bird watching. <laughs> and everyone could relate at the start of the pandemic. And I'm like, we can we can choose how we live still, guys. Yeah. We can choose how we live. And like we can choose everyone on Twitter right now. You know, we're talking on December 6, 2022 is talking about. AI, as you've seen probably for the last two or three days, all the conversations are about AI is taking over the presidency, AI is taking over executives, AI is taking over because, you know, chat GPT or whatever just came out and everyone's like playing with it. And we don't have to live like that. We don't have to live like that. We can choose to read books. We can choose to have family dinners. We can choose to hold hands and kiss and go to the movies by yourself. That's another awesome thing in the book. We can choose to go for long walks in nature. We can choose, we can choose to, 
You know, a lot of things you guys openly talk about, we can choose to make love and to kiss and to hold hands and to like be intimate with our families and to prefer the group chat than the TikTok feed. We get Mm. to choose how we live. And what I want this book to do is to take the awesome things that I started the conversation with. I have folded in my curation from over 10,000 submissions from other people. And I've added comments from the blog and I've added letters I've received. I still wrote 80% of the book because they were worried about watering it down. The, The publisher's like, you know, it can't be like, not you it can't be like chicken soup and so but i try to disappear by the end of it so the end of the book it's like i'm not there anymore there's no about the author there's no author photo there's no author bio there's no dedication there's no acknowledgement it just culminates in the font size getting smaller and smaller and smaller the awesome things getting more and more plentiful i don't write them anymore as you can tell i'm choosing all kinds of disparate tones cooking for a loved one after 27 years of incarceration is one of them. Wow. Yeah. You know, hearing the sound of the of the little boys playing above the the roof of my basement apartment. You mm. know, like like I'm getting a wheelchair accessible nature trails. Mm. You know, someone sent me wheelchair accessible. I would I'm sorry to say, I would not have thought of that. Mm-hmm. And then when mm-hmm. someone posted that on my blog, the comment right below <laughs> it is like, "Yes, I'm a chairs chair user. These are so hard to find." So I'm trying with the, and then I disappear by the end and to the point where the very back of the book is literally just one point font, 200 brand new awesome things that have also never been published anywhere inside. And so I want the awesome things to boom, pop out into the universe and I want them to disappear. Who cares about me? I don't even put my picture in the thing. I, I'm, I want it to be like, we get to choose how we live and we can choose to live slower simpler more intentional lives full of more beauty and more love Mm. are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice it's time to dig deeper and listen to america dissected from crooked media the podcast that's cutting into the science culture and policy that shapes our health From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. I love like we're recording this in the in uh, December 6th today and. Uh, like as uh, as we get into early December and Christmas starts to like come closer, uh, I I start to like I feel like this time of year for a lot of people it, like has these like these hearkenings back to like childhoods and like mm. you know like traditions and like there's family and there's all these things and and there's that that comes with good and the bad but like when you were saying when you know when you said you know the 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 bell ringing over a door that like when you go into a corner, like I, like it's, there's a lot of things that because of the world that we live in now where, where most things are bought online and you know, your experiences is a lot of the experiences live through the screen. There are a lot of things that are kind of like dying, like experiences that are fading away, you know, that, that people don't get to experience anymore and kind of putting this into a, putting this into a book and, and, and reminding the people that have lived that, like, I remember what it was like to live without the internet. Um, I, I lived the first 10 years of my life without the internet. And I remember, I just remember that being a very different. Thank God. Like, thank goodness. Thank goodness. You have that. And we need you. We need you. You're one of our last warriors. And, and, and for like another generation, the generation that came after me and the, obviously the subsequent ones, that like to be reminded that there are these like simple pleasures that have nothing to do with the technology that you know has dominated the last 20 years i think is kind of important because it is it because it's untethered from any necessary infrastructure like it's the simple things that that just exist in the world rather than <laughs> something that needs to kind of like be manufactured and and like bought or purchased into your life like they're just they're just they're there those simple, those simple uh, pleasures. I will take this. Go ahead, Jeremy. You were going to say? No, 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 no. You get in there. Uh, here's what I'm going to say to Taylor is I would take what you were saying and I would give it three red 100 underlined emojis. <laughs> and then I would, and then after that, I would say, and, and we already tried this. Do you remember the pandemic? Did anyone else mm. do online school? Our kids got fucked. 
they couldn't. It wasn't good. No, no one liked it. It Ooh. sucked. Did you remember doing Zoom meetings all day? It sucked. Oh my God. Do you remember being on social media all day and how you felt after? It sucked. Do you remember how much weight everybody gained because they weren't like commuting or walking or riding their bikes or going outside or going exercising or the gyms were closed? That sucked. We didn't feel good. And so we're just coming out of this pandemic and, you know, uh, knock on wood, hopefully, you know, we don't get like the 12th wave or whatever. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's like we already tried this. Mm. Nobody wants to live in the metaverse. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and and yeah, sure, some people do. And there's the argument, well, it's the people who do that determine what everybody else does. You know, that there's that argument all the time. It's like, well, you know, some people wanted to, you know, cross to, to the Western Hemisphere. And so now that's what created the Western world. And some people want to go to Mars, so we're going. And I don't buy that. I think you live one life. That's it. Enjoy it. You are the tether and the baton between everything that came before you and everything that comes after you. You're not here very long. You don't matter that much. You get to choose how to spend your life, and your life is a role model. It is an example. It is, mm. it is, you live it the way you want to, and you and you get to live it the way you want to. And do if you, you don't like social media, as I am saying right now, you delete it, which is what I'm planning to do next year is delete all my social. I don't want I need to, I'm putting it on the record because I need to commit to it. I want it, mm. I want all that stuff off of me. I don't like it. Do you uh do you ever think like do you ever, do you do you, do you think about do you think about your writing in this context at all? I'm curious. Um like when I when you when I when you were speaking before about like some of the things that like make you slow down um and and kind of be introspective and think about um and and think about you know the important things in life. Do you think about this the this writing um being a way for people to do that um more easily or more simply because when I think about what has made me slow down and really take notice of my surroundings have, have usually been like really big life shifts, like, like an accident or I had, uh, mm. I had a daughter eight months ago and that's been like a major life change where I am feeling more present and thank you more present and more connected and like less drawn to some of the, 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 um, distractions that are that are that are available um and and it's usually these like big kind of shifts that put me into this mindset that kind of gradually fades and i find my way back to the to like the more distracted mindset eventually but for a time i feel i feel more grounded like i'm almost thinking about this writing as like a as as a way of as a way of not not necessarily needing like a monumental shift in your life to shake you back into, you know, presence. Like, d d do you think that this does that this does that on like a in like a more simple way? So, the very first entry of this book is carrying the ice cube tray <laughs> from the sink to the freezer without spilling. Yes, so challenging, and. uh, I've noticed when I tell people that some people's reaction is like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, like, or, you know, <laughs> the first entry in the Book of Awesome was flipping to the cold side of the pillow in the middle of the night. It's like yeah. one of those. You know, yeah. I get a lot of old ladies and, and they're, you know, like my wife's grandmother and uh, many others send me emails saying like, I thought of you last night at three thirty in the morning, <laughs> um, you know, and it's so cute. And I, oh, I, pray feel, tell. I, yeah. I, I, I feel <laughs> <laughs> I feel touched by it because I, I feel like what, what they're really saying is, you know, thank you for helping me notice the simple pleasures. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so f for me, uh, maybe it does that for some people and that's great. And for others, it, it leads to more of a change and for others, it does nothing. And, and, you know, look, um, I, I was reminded the other day that I sold 2 million books and I reminded the person who reminded me that, that 7.9998 billion people have never read anything I've ever done, <laughs> you know? And so that's my point. It's like, yeah, sure. Like we're all just doing our best, but like, you know, the world's really, really big. And so, mm. you know, with the book of awesome, not, I was lucky, but the book was lucky that people created their own books of awesome and created their own mm. walls of awesome, and put up walls at their university residence or their old folks home. And they, you know, they, they, um, made, made a play about awesome things. And, you know, it, it created this little tenor in Canadian society, especially, and to a lesser extent globally, um, 
for I'd say you know a few years, and I'm I, I guess I'm partly curious to see if it creates any sort of resonance anymore, because who reads books anymore, right? <laughs> like who's going to a bookstore and picking out a book right now? Like just that is we've lost it. We fifty seven percent of Americans read zero books last year, according to the American Times wow. study. Fifty seven percent of Americans read zero books last year, and based on whether or not someone answers wow or someone answers with a nod, you can tell. It's like, that's an accurate statistic, right? Like, it's like, mm-hmm. the wow is the person that reads, right? Like, the wow is like, I'm surprised by that because I do not do that. I didn't realize I was in the minority as a person who reads books, but you are. And so this is a small thrust, throw, toss effort mm-hmm. to try to do that chiropractic adjustment to your mind that it, some things do, like 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 having your cho- having your daughter eight months ago. And maybe it does it for some people and it probably doesn't do it for most, but, but this is, you know, this is kind of what I'm hoping it does. I'm lighting that little firecracker to see if it goes. I like one thing I, that I would love to kind of just ask you, um, I like, I, I find, I find, uh, I've had a couple, I've, 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 I've attempted to have like a gratitude practice a number of times and I do find it really helps, but my problem with it is like, I'll start, you know, I'll start like I'll start writing down like five things I'm grateful for that day, especially like in times where I'm feeling stressed out or like where I'm just I'm feeling a little bit blue. And I do find it helps. But after about a week, I start to realize I'm just writing the same shit, like the same five things or like cycling through the same like 15 things over and over again. And it's stuff that's that's, you know, really like obvious to me. I'm I, you know, I'm grateful that I woke up next to my beautiful partner this morning or like whatever, you know? But when I hear things like, you know, carrying the ice cube tray from the sink to the freezer without spilling, or like another one that I fucking love is seeing your parents dance. I just, I just recently received a text from a friend of mine, Lindsay. And she said, I think, I think I'm at a bar that your mom is at and she's tearing <laughs> up the dance floor. And I go, I need proof. Hashtag and, only in Halifax. And then she, and she sent me this, she sent me 100%. this video of my mom with her, with her like relatively new partner and they're on the dance floor and they are the only two people on the dance floor and they are tearing it up. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, totally. Like yeah. having, having met obviously your mom and her. Yes. New partner. Yeah. And so they're just having, and like my mom's the biggest smile on her face. Can, and you, can both- you, can you take us into this photo, fo- this photo or video a little bit deeper? I want to hear the total visual here. Absolutely. So, so, so like dark, uh, sort of dark, uh, um, large ceilings, uh, at this bar where this band is playing, the band is like, uh, they're, they're for locals. The, where are we? Uh, we are at, uh, the, the, um, fuck it. It used to uh, the Pacifico, but it's a different location. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and so there's this band called the Melatones, and they do like they do like like they're they, like a ten piece, they're, they're like, like a ten piece funk um a cover band, and mm-hmm. and they're very well loved in Halifax. And so they're playing this like this like funk music, and my mom and and uh, her partner Cliff are on this dance floor. The lights are going. What's and, your mom's name? Uh, Maxine and so it's Cliff. Maxine and Cliff. Maxine and Cliff. Like and, that helps us. and Maxine is busting out the most like, like the the best Elaine stereotypical Bennis. like mom dance. You What's know? the attire like, here? Uh, she's dressed up in a in like a a, a really nice like floral um, dress uh, that's like yeah pretty like slim fitting and and Cliff's got Cliff's just you know suit and tie like just looking spiffy like wedding know? like wedding dance floor style yeah, exactly yeah it, I mean mm-hmm. it you would have thought they were probably at a dance. And just the the way they moved their bodies and the way they were laughing together, uh-huh. I, it was the first time I've ever like I've not, I don't think I've ever really seen my mom dance like that. Uh-huh. And it was just how old the is she? Best she's uh, my mom's in her mid sixties. Okay, and Cliff? Um, uh, Cliff is a, Cliff's a little bit <laughs> Cliff's a little bit older. She's she's like she's like slit. She, yeah. Cliff's rolling the dice on the dance. Yeah, floor. yeah. Cliff's Cliff's up in the seventies. Cliff's up in the seventies. So so my, my 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 point my point there was you know what do you like for people who do find think or like trying to see yeah. these things in the world yeah. or trying to trying trying to have some well, sort of gratitude practice. Well, here's the thing, man. 
like it's not just you. Um, mm. Emmons and McCullough did a study. I'll just tell you this right now. The, why don't we just take it from the research? Emmons and McCullough did a study. They asked three groups of people at the end of each week to do one of three different things. Three groups of people, they do three different things. The first group of people is to write down five gratitudes. The second group of people is to write down five events. The third group of people is to write down five hassles, okay? Think of those three words, right? Gratitudes, events, just like shit that happened, and hassles, like um, annoyances, right? Mm. After a 10-week period, the people who wrote down the gratitudes were not just happier, as you might have guessed, but they're also physically healthier, okay? So we're, we're good on that. We know that this actually, we know that the thing you tried to do works, but yeah. you didn't do it. And, and the reason you didn't do it is because you fell off the path at the exact same place that everybody falls off the path, which is most people just write down the same thing every day. My husband, my kid, my dog. My husband, my kid, my dog. Yeah. My husband, my kid, my dog. My husband, my kid, my dog. And that ain't going to do shit because what actually you're trying to do is you got something in your brain it's called your visual cortex, like the name suggests. It's what sees your It's what sees your life, your reality. And there's an area in there called area 17. You're trying to trigger it. The only way you can trigger that area within your visual cortex is if you actually conjure up to your mind something that actually happened in specific detail. Why am I asking about the dress? Ooh. Why am I asking about the light? Why am I asking about the band? Why am I asking? Because when you journal, man, that that's there is a ba- that's what you need in there. And here's Ooh. the thing. No one's got the time for that. But what I say to people is this. If you can just take 60 seconds in the morning, and I've got a two-minute practice. So this is like one minute of it. So here, you know, is it's like don't write my husband. Say when my husband Taylor put the toilet seat down. Okay. Don't say my kid. Say when my nine-month-old daughter, um, you know, f- first said dada. Or, or yeah, it doesn't have to be as profound. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. didn't didn't shit on the rug. It could be whatever, right? <laughs> um, and then and then you know, uh, don't say my dog. Say you know when the when the rescue puppy, you know, Bangladesh that we got, uh, you know, in the in the uh, pandemic, you know, stopped stopped peeing in the garage. Like, notice mm. the difference. I'm not doing much in terms of adding detail, but what I've done in the book, carrying the ice cube tray from the sink to the freezer, that spilling, is just take that extra thirty seconds to make the thing that you want to write down. You said I write down my partner, or whatever. Just like what? What about them? Like, mm. like just just one. You know, when when um, I accidentally wore their socks all day, right? Or um, that left a candle lit. You know, uh, when they went to bed early and I came home late in the in the bathroom or what? Just just kind of look for them. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing is when you look for them, it repeats it in your brain because your brain doesn't know what time it is. Like it sounds like an, your brain doesn't know where it is. It's just that's why when you read a book about like a Siberian like prison, you might actually shiver. Because what's happening is you're falling mm. into the reading. That's why I'm so big on reading. I have my podcast is called Three Books, all about books. I'm all the stuff behind me is all fiction. None of the stuff, mm. <laughs> it's all fiction. So I'm like a huge advocate for reading fiction because I know what it's done. Like the research is like it's changing your brain all kinds of ways. A reader lives a thousand lives before he dies. The man who never reads lives only one. That's mm. quote stolen from Game of Thrones, a work of fiction. And so. <laughs> I'm going back to that because it's just that little extra minute of detail, Jeremy, that you're missing. It's hard to do. And that's partly why I think our book of awesome and the book of awesome series works. It's like a little bit of grease to kind of get people down that slide. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, like, like, like habits, Uh, you know, you, you, like, I, I, I find it, I find it really easy right now to, to kind of be in a lot of this headspace because, because of my daughter and because she's, doing everything she's doing new shit all the time i'm like constantly going wow that is amazing and that's your I'm, first child I'm, yeah my Ooh. first kid so I'm it's so also grateful. it's also your first time being a dad of a nine-month-old your first time right. being a dad of a 10-month-old your first yeah. time being a dad of an 11-month-old like everything's new for you in dad terms but then it does bleed out into it i do find it bleeding out into into other things in my life and maybe that's because i also because as amazing as it is to be a new dad it's also very different and very busy so so things that Things that maybe I took for granted before are all of a sudden kind of like taking on a new meaning. Like I went out and Ooh. I took Loki out really early this morning because they had to go get tested for allergies. And I, it, like there was dead wind and there was blue sky and there was a little frost on the ground and it was beautiful and it was quiet. And I kind of took all of this in and went, oh, wow, I haven't been outside early in the morning on this like nice, calm environment in a long time. And it's really, really nice. And I really enjoy it. And I'm really happy that I'm here. And I find that I've been doing that more lately, mm. um, and and probably because because of the fact that I'm having this brand new experience with my daughter, I am, 
I'm building a habit of being grateful just by the nature of her being there in front of me. Mm-hmm. And eventually, if I don't, if I don't pay attention to it, and if I don't foster it, that will f- eventually start to fade away, I imagine. So like keeping, c- trying to keep a hold of that as best yeah. as I can with the things that you're saying, Neil, of, of you know, working on it so that you can provide that detail and, and create that habit of, of kind of like conjuring those things in your mind and mm. keeping them there. Well, I wouldn't say um, I agree with all that. Three, three, one hundred underlined emojis again. And, <laughs> and I would add um, everything in life's like that. You go through periods of touching good nutrition. You go through periods of touching peak health. You go through periods of touching peak love. You go through periods of touching peak um, relationship intimacy or, or friendship, friendship intimacy. You go through periods of being financially successful. You go through periods of being, um, you know, really cl- close with your parents. And so, you know, there's no reason why what we call happiness or what we call kind of practicing gratitude to create a little bit more of a positive mindset shouldn't also be wavy and shouldn't also be a practice and shouldn't also be a North Star. Look, I don't think, you know, James Clear has perfect habits. I don't think Mark Manson knows how to not give a fuck about anything. I think he cares a lot. I think James Clear wrote a book about habits because he needed to have good ones and he didn't. And and so similarly, I would just say like the vibe frequency that you're detecting, please do not, for anyone listening, please do not let that tip over your apple cart. Let that be part of the process of doing this stuff and talking mm-hmm. about it and cultivating it. Of course, you're going to fall off. You think I do two minute mornings every morning, even though I'm the guy that made the journal and tells everyone to do it? No, but the thing I do that's different than other people is I allow myself to not do it and I start the next day. And you know what? That getting back up is actually the muscle we're trying to grow. For anyone that's listening that meditates, it's like, well, that's actually the muscle. It's not, you know, focusing on nothing in your mind or whatever. It's coming back to a state of focusing on your breath, coming Mm. back to a state of focusing Mm. on your breath, coming back to a state. It's the coming back muscle here that we're really trying to build. And so with our book of awesome, with your gratitude journal, Jeremy, with anyone listening who's had a practice going and it's kind of fallen off with anyone that's considering starting one, don't let the not doing yesterday affect the could be doing tomorrow. Yeah. Like let's, let's, let's keep those things separate. Well said. Well, Neil, uh, I mean, dude, having you on the show is always a treat. Uh, and, and as much as, uh, publish more so we can yeah, have you on the show more. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I feel bad for me and Brian. Cause I was excited to see Brian today too. And to talk to him and, when he's on the show, I, I just feel bad about my my shoulders for two days, <laughs> you know, it, it's, and then it's it, a muscle I have to grow to be like, you know what? You're OK, Neil. The military presses you've been doing for a decade. They got you here. You, you, you had nothing before this. You don't yeah. got to compare yourself to Brian. He texted me during this recording and said, uh, make sure you tell Neil I said hi. So Brian does say hi. He wishes he was here. Um, Neil, we we love your work. We're huge fans. Folks, the book, uh, our book of awesome, it's available today as we're recording this. Uh, today is the, <laughs> yeah. the publishing day, so not um, the, not to be confused with the date you're listening to this. That's right. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Uh, so Unless this can... is live streaming to YouTube, like Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> where uh, where can people find you uh, in the in the in the meantime while you are on social media? Where can people find copies of the book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so where's your where's your listeners? Oh, Canada, uh, big US, in Canada, and uh, big in, big the in UK. The US as well. So, for anyone listening to this in Canada, it's at Indigo Chapters, uh, Coles, uh, and that whole chain. You know, I've been very lucky. You know, Heather Reisman made ha- the book of awesome at Heather's pick, which is really surprising and unusual for her. She usually picks like literary fiction, and you know, uh, this was very out of character for her. And that support has really um, what what I'm trying to say is they. They have it everywhere in those stores and they have it at the cheapest price in the country. It's like 20 bucks. And sure, you can also get it at, you know, Costco and Walmart and, and uh, Loblaws and Shoppers and um, Amazon and uh, and all that stuff. In Toronto, you know, the bookstore that we mentioned uh, is called Type Independent Bookstore. If you are, do you guys have a favorite local indie in Halifax? Uh, what's the, what's the shop on uh, spring garden? That's where I, that's where I always go. The one that's right next to the pet store. Uh, I, I forget the name, the name of, of it, but there, there was a, there was a, there was a, it, it's really... available near the pet store. Yeah. It's available. <laughs> go to, go down to the pet store yeah. and you ask someone spring and then you'll, garden find, road. you'll find on spring garden road. Um, is that anywhere near freak lunchbox? Cause maybe you can get a chocolate peanut butter shake on your way home. Uh, I mean, you could definitely walk there. <laughs> Walking distance okay, that, for sure. And maybe go, maybe go see the dahlias in the park if it's the right time of year. I, um, <laughs> I uh, it's everywhere. Fucking books are sold, man. There you go. I should have just said that. 
you go. That's awesome. Uh, Neil, again, we, we love having you on. Uh, next time we're in Toronto, we're, we'll, we'll be sure to hit you up and uh, go grab a, uh, uh, a beautiful cocktail with... Uh, oh. Yeah, go for it. One last thing is uh, my email address is neil at globalhappiness.org. I always try to stick it in at the very end of the podcast because then I like it when people who listen to the very end send me a note after yeah. neil at globalhappiness.org. And I'll forward you guys anything I get so that we, yes, if, yes. If, they're, if they're okay with it, because it's always nice to hear like, you know, two years later, it's like, I was driving to Thunder Bay and you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you got me through that final push. <laughs> uh, thanks again, Neil. We, we love you, dude. This has been really fun. I, I love you guys. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. That is it for this week's edition of Routine Checkup. Thank you so much for tuning in, folks. It means the world to us. And if you'd like to continue listening to the podcast, you can do that right here on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And of course, if you want to support the podcast further, you can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or you can simply rate the podcast on your Spotify mobile app. And uh, even Better than that, why don't you tell someone that you know, tell someone that you love, tell someone that you don't know, that you listen to Sick Boy Podcast and recommend it to them because we always love those extra ears. The podcast is produced and hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Brian Stever, and Taylor McGilvery. The podcast is managed by Jeffrey Lonis at Talent Bureau. The theme music for today's episode comes from Rich O'Coin. Thanks again, folks. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll be back next week. That's it for now. My name is Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.